Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoyed the podcast, everybody. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. My name's Jim Burns, and we're here to talk to you about just about anything in the news today related to bullying. I can give you some help and some techniques and strategies to help you manage if you're experiencing bullying, but there's more to it than that these days. I mean, bullying is a problem, for sure, big time, and it's getting worse. Uh, I'm not going to deny that. I've been doing this for 30 years, uh, fighting this epidemic and uh, trying to give teachers, parents, kids some hope so that they can move through life and not have this burden of pain that just seems to envelop them because they were bullied when they were younger. And we have more adults today that are experiencing the trauma of bullying than ever before. There's a ton of post-traumatic stress amongst our young adults and even some older adults who've had difficulty clearing their mind and helping to try and tear down some of the, the thoughts that have just impregnated their head for years about being not worthy, not accepted, um, you know, almost paranoid. Sometimes you can become mentally ill and manic and depressive at the same time uh, when you're dealing with some of the, the factors that have gone into your life related to bullying. So we're here to deal with that. We are here to help you. Um, You can go to my website at www.bullyproofclassroom.com. You can subscribe to this this podcast. We've got an enormous number of new books that have just come out. Uh, One of them that I'll I'll just share with you, there's actually several I'm going to share with you, is one is 10 Reasons Why, why we need professional development in the area of anti-bullying and behavior management in schools. We spend too much time dealing with testing. You know, too much time on testing, not enough time on building character, dealing with behavior, and helping deal with the epidemic of bullying. 
I have another book that just came out, 20 Great Strategies for Teachers. Just stuff that you can do that will help build respect and encourage responsibility. The keys to an effective in-school suspension program. This book was initially, you know, like a few pages. It wasn't even a book. It was just a small product that I I had up on the website. But I've changed it now and I've, I've converted it to a small book. It's an e-book. The point I'm making is I've included writing prompts in there now, which can help help kids while they're in ISS and at times can have teachers evaluate their approach to managing some of the kids because they ask some really good questions about how you deal with certain situations in your own life. And the, the other one, and this has been out for a little bit, uh, and this is in hardcover and in uh, ebook format. It's the power of consistency. What happens when you start doing twelve these the twelve things that I talk about in this book every single day? What happens when you do it, and what will happen to you going forward, and how will how will your life improve? Okay, if you do these twelve things. Just the first one I'll just share with you is getting up early and at the same time every day. What's going to happen to you? Okay, what do you think will happen to you? And why is this a very wise thing to do in your life? So these are the these are some of the books that we now have, and there's going to be more because I'm starting to consolidate content right now and put together information I think will be far more useful for my listeners and, and for anyone who purchases any of the information. Now, the last time we were together, I talked and I did a podcast and it was called The Pandemic Is Not The Problem because there was an article that I addressed um, and in the article, it was, the title of the article was actually in the New York Times, and it was a well-written article, great article. Um, but one of the, the byline on it was, this is no way to grow up within a pandemic. And my comment to that was, my thought on that was, people have grown up with the measles, the chicken pox, the mumps, polio, We've grown up with it, and we've dealt with it. Our, our kids have dealt with it. Uh, and we're starting now to look at this and play a little bit of the blame game with it. And it's becoming troubling. Pandemics occur. Epidemics occur. This just happens to be one of those things that has a variant and right now it's the Omicron variant. We've had the Delta variant, you know, and so on. But we went through this 40 years ago, 50 years ago with the flu. We truly did. This is nothing new. If you're as old as I am, you've seen stuff like this. I've shared that I remember walking up the, the staircase uh, going into a school building, and there was an enormous line of people that went up this staircase 
And they got into the, um, the hallways of the school. Classrooms were set up with the little paper cups and the polio vaccine was in there. And it was on a sugar cube. That's where you get the line. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And that was the polio vaccine. And you didn't have, you know, the uproar of people who were saying, I don't want to, I don't want to take the vaccine. The reason that polio is, vac is eradicated right now in this country is because people took the vaccine. But look how the last case of polio was discovered in 1975. That was the final case in this country. I'm sure it's in third world countries. The, the point being is we, I took that vaccine in 1960, so it took 15 years to really eradicate it from this country. 15 years it took to get rid of polio. Now, this pandemic, this virus, is not, not the same as polio. And it will attack and, and have an effect on those whose immune system is compromised, those who have respiratory issues, those who have heart conditions, those who have kidney failure or diabetes. It will attack different organs of your body, but you have to be, you, you have to be compromised. And I realize there's a, been a, many people who were well and got COVID early on and passed away. I got that. I know that people are in the hospital because of COVID right now, and I'm not poo-pooing this pandemic one bit. I got vaccinated twice. My wife did. My daughter did. And she's only 11. And she got COVID anyway from a kid in school who wasn't vaccinated or I'm saying that because the kid was her friend and I know she wasn't vaccinated and they were hanging around together. So, and she's fine now. She's fine. There have been kids around here in my area who were not vaccinated, who got COVID and who are fine now. And I'm sure that helped their immune system. But we're starting to get to a point where we're starting to either blame people or we're looking at this and, and you know, like as an example, the teachers union in New York last week, they're ramping up pressure on city officials to adopt remote learning amid the nightmare of COVID-19 infections in city schools. And they, they want the mayor to shut down the schools. They recorded more than 12,000 new teacher and student cases. And the mayor, the new mayor, Eric Adams, he opposes it. And they're starting to get confrontational. And they had a meeting at the Barclays Center and, and was calling for uh, temporary shuttering. The movement that is going on right now is they're blaming the school here. Uh, one of the participants uh, said, this is a nightmare. We're literally sitting ducks. We are trying our best, but we have no staff at our school. 
combined uh, at our school combined classroom. They have they, they've had to deal with this in terms of just combining classes. It's uh, they can't deal with it. We keep if we keep going like this, and the mayor is delusional to think it can continue like this. Hundreds of thousands of students are absent. And this is a, a, something that's going on across the country, that you have situations where now the teachers don't want to be in school if, in fact, there's, there has been um, multiple cases of COVID. And it starts to become a personality problem. It starts to become a problem where Egos get involved, and it starts to almost become political when you think about it. When you think about it. Now, what, what do you want to have happen? Now, the, the, the article last week that I, 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 um, I critiqued was, this is no way to grow up. You've got to get the kids back in school. Because the online learning isn't doing anything for them socially, and so on. That's one thing. All right? That's what, that's what they were talking about. No way to grow up. Got to be in school. Now, you've got a situation where the teachers are up in arms, and they're saying, we don't want to be in school. Because it's too dangerous. We're going to get sick. There's combined classrooms. There's thousands of kids absent. They want to go back to virtual learning. Well, I was just told last week in another article, in another newspaper, that this is no way to grow up. So how do you want to handle this situation? You're either going to go to school or you're not going to go to school. And people who are fearful of being in a school where you you have a reduced number of staff because of COVID and you have low enrollment because the kids are sick and they've got to combine classes and the school system is shaky for openers because of either violence or maybe gang-related activity, bullying, whatever... The teachers now are frightened. They don't want they don't want the kids coming in if, in fact, uh, they don't have the staff to be able to man the building. So, what do you want? What do you want? You want to open the schools, open them, keep them open. Now, there's other factors here, and it's a parental factor because some districts. What they're doing is they are allowing the parents to control the situation and they want to have the best of both worlds. And you know, some of it isn't bad. Some of it's not bad. In other words, I'm a teacher, I'm in a classroom, five of my kids get COVID in the classroom, they shut my class down and put me on virtual and allow me to teach my class from home until everything clears up. It's not a bad idea. The other thing that's going on right now is you have multiple kids in a building who are, let's talk about a building of 11-year-olds and older, who are 
not vaccinated. And they don't want to start a situation where they say, well, if you want to come to school, there's mandatory vaccination. They don't want to start that. So what they want to begin to do is test everyone for COVID once a week. Now, if you can find the tests, that's that's a, a, a problem that I've been uh, reading about more recently. You can't get enough. How are you going to get enough tests? Suppose you got 800 kids, 1,000 kids. You're going to test them all once a week? How many tests is that? It's a lot of tests, right? To be, for a, um, a healthcare official working for the school system to use to determine if kids have COVID or not. Now, so you have kids that are, are uh, non-vaccinated, kids that are vaccinated. The, the, the new thing, so let me ask you this question. If a parent vaccinates their child twice, a shot and a booster, should that child have to be subject to weekly COVID testing? I mean, let's face it, it ain't comfortable, you know, to have them stick a Q-tip up your nose or whatever they use now to find out if you have COVID or not. Is it is it something that you want your child subject to? Remember, that child played by the rules. That family played by the rules. They got their kid vaccinated. The kid wears a mask in school. But because of the fact that they can't say if you are not vaccinated that you should uh, get tested once a week for fear of parental, of a parental backlash, they want what they want to do is they want to test everyone. And to me, that doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't seem to make sense. It's not fair, I don't think. But it is a way to determine whether or not, you know, kids in the building have COVID. And let's face it, if a kid is is, is uh, vaccinated, he could, she could still get COVID. He sh- could still get COVID. They had um, my daughter vaccinated twice, and she ended up with a breakthrough case. So the bottom line here is, what do you want? The article said last week, no way to grow up. Now they don't want to go to school. So how do you want to go to school? You want to get vac- you want to get uh, vaccinated? You're still going to have to be subject to weekly testing, non-vaccinated. What, so it becomes a bit much to manage. Now, there was another article, and it says, uh, this was in Pure Wow, which is just, you know, basically anyone could write, I believe, uh, for it. I'm not sure. Um, it says, um, parents feel gaslit right now, and they're not wrong. First day back to school, phone calls, one friend texted another friend alongside a picture of her six-year-old son playing. She was trying to check work emails. They couldn't go back because of the fact that somebody had COVID. This is now a daycare center. 
closed until January 13th. He's been there for less than an hour. Does this mean she has to pull her older kid out from school? Probably. Maybe. She wasn't sure. Then she's had messages from parents who decided to risk exposure by sending their kids into school. You know, a hundred years ago, not a hundred years ago, 50, 60, you, you had outbreaks. You had measles, you had mumps, you had chicken pox. People got this stuff. And they dealt with it. Another friend... Um, texted her and said um, she's going to keep her two-year-old home from daycare for the month of January until this thing calms down. When I asked her what would that look like, she replied she wasn't exactly sure, but she feels like she's going insane. Now, they, you know, in terms of testing kids, there's a lack of tests because it says that the schools across the country are delaying the return to class and some even moving to remote learning, citing attempts to combat the spread of the Omicron variant or because too many staff members have contracted the virus to open. For those schools that are staying open, many are requiring proof of negative COVID tests for students. This sounds like a strategy on paper, but here's one big problem. They can't get any tests. And that is a big problem. Because the supply chain is drying up and they can't find enough tests to deal with it. And, of course, you know, people play a lot of backyard psychology. They've got to call their friends. They're trying to get answers. They're trying to figure the whole thing out. They don't have enough guidance. They don't have enough direction. And they feel like that the, the government is not giving them enough help. I mean, they've got a child tax credit that's come down the pike, but that's going to that's gonna end soon. Um, because you have mothers who have to stay home with kids because it's something like 58% of the mothers reported... Um, that, um, I'm sorry, moms were, were the ones that were, um, had to stay home. They had to leave the workforce rather than the parents. And 58% of mothers reported that worry or stress related to the coronavirus had negatively affected their mental health, citing the increase in their unpaid work, both child care and housework, along with increased job loss as reasons why. So everyone gets, you know, we're becoming mentally ill from it. We're becoming um, stressed out from it. We don't know what to do. We, we haven't figured it out. Listen, from a, a situation, from a person who has lived through pandemics, lived through epidemics, seen polio um, eradicated, uh, has dealt with the flu, chicken pox, all kinds of different things, worked in schools for years, and so on. It's going to pass. It will pass. They will we'll have to get a grip on this, but it's up 
to the people in terms of how they want to do it. Like I said, this is no way to grow up. Uh, I got I got that. So what do you want to do? You want to send them back into school? Send them back in. Maybe what you got to do is the weekly testing that they're uh, that one of the articles was talking about. But I find it hard to think that you'd want to do weekly testing on a kid that's been vaccinated twice. Send them back in. When things get too tough, close down a classroom where four or five kids have got it. That's happened in, in when I was in school. The, the, you got uh, one classroom of kids. One kid gets the measles, they all got it. So this is just something that's new for our generation right now, for the younger generation right now. And they're having a hard time wrapping their head around it. They're having a great deal of difficulty wrapping their head around it. There may be new parents. It, it may be a struggle for them financially as young people. But the bottom line is it's happening and it will pass. I've seen it before. We can't go around blaming everybody and we can't say no way to grow up but then the teachers union wants to shut the schools down. They have to shut the school down because of uh, lack of staff. And you got a lot of kids absent. The other thing is you know, nobody likes mandates. Nobody likes them. I don't like them. I don't like to be told what to do by anybody. Do you? I don't like it. But And there are some people who will fight the mandate. They'll fight the mask situation. Unmask our kids. You see these signs all over the place. Bottom line is the mask may be what is something that should be used to keep the schools open. Because if they're all wearing one, it'll help. It will help, vaccinated or unvaccinated. The, the problem is people say, I don't want to do it. Then you have people, you have anti-vaxxers. They don't want to get vaccinated. Maybe if we just followed and did what we were supposed to do, in terms of the mask, forget the vaccine. You know what? There's a lot of people that don't want a vaccine. Years ago, you had the same thing. People, they don't realize, oh, polio's been eradicated. Why do I need the vaccine? To keep it eradicated. We've had 800,000 deaths in this country since this thing started. And I'm sure a lot of them were older people with compromised immune systems who had other health-related issues. It's something that's here now. And we have to start to work together on the problem. And I don't mean societally, I mean in terms of school. In terms of school. Because... 
what's happening is is they're trying to come up with all manner of different ways to deal with this thing in school and they they're on two separate ends of the stick no way to grow up but we got to send them home anyway so we have to decide and i think the one of the better ways to deal with it is classroom has an outbreak shut the class down they go on virtual the rest of the school stays in school and you go on quarantine and you and you get yourself better and then you can come back i know that this topic has nothing to do with bullying but it does have to do with people being strong-headed and wanting things their way and there's really you know not a lot to say about it other than the fact is we we want to get through it and and as we get through it i think we're far better off if we work together instead of butting heads with everybody all the time fighting and arguing about whether or not the schools are open the schools are closed we're going to go virtual my kid got it i was vaccinated none of it matters none of it matters we have to work together to try and deal with this as a school related problem and if we do i think we'll be on our way to to dissolving a lot of these issues you got to get some cooperation you got to get some compromise and you got to get some consensus as you deal with it because you can't keep fighting everybody when someone who is in charge like a superintendent or like the the mayor in New York you know he sends down an edict this is what we're going to do we got to do our best to work around it every solution does not meet everybody's needs so let's work together let's see what we could do let's work it work it out come up with some some viable solutions i've made a few suggestions and let's hope that we can get through this in this next year and you know next year the following year we can you know start the school year off in a little bit better a better frame of mind with a a better environment and not so many people getting sick because you know i hate to see people get sick i also don't like to see people arguing in terms of how they how this should be dealt with because it doesn't it doesn't help it doesn't help my name is jim burns you've been listening to anti-bullying 101 we've been talking about this covid pandemic today uh didn't have a lot to do with bullying but then again it might because there's so many personalities involved we don't know who's intimidated by who when decisions have to get made but the bottom line is we're going to fight through it we've made it through a lot of lot tougher stuff before as a country we're going to get through this and when when the when we see the light at the end of the tunnel and i do think that there is a glimmer in there i think that what's going to happen is we're going to be so happy we're going to be so happy that we were able to stay the course keep everybody that we know healthy and do our best to try and stay healthy once again my name is jim burns thank you for listening to anti-bullying 101